Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the LGC Investment Series podcast. This episode was recorded at the LGC Investment Seminar at the Carden Park Country Hotel in Cheshire in March 2022. Chaired by Local Government Chronicle's Deputy Editor Martin George, this episode caught up with Jeff Houston who spoke at the event. If you enjoy listening to these podcasts, then make sure you subscribe to have the latest episodes delivered straight to your device each time we release. Okay, so um, welcome to uh, a special LGC investment podcast. Um, we're recording today at the LGC investment seminar at Carden Park in Cheshire. My name's Martin George. I'm the LGC deputy editor, where I uh, cover LGPS um, for the magazine and website. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by um, Jeff Houston, Secretary to the LGPS Advisory Board. And Jeff, this will be your, your final podcast as um, in this role as you are retiring next week. It will. Next Thursday. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, yeah, I am in lots of ways. I'm, I've, I've, I've pledged to myself I will never work on a Monday again. <laughs> that's, that's a good pledge. That's a good pledge. Um, and, and for people who are listening um, and who haven't been at the seminar, um, Jeff gave a, a really, really um, nice look back on his career yesterday. And I've got to say, Jeff, that the warmth in the room um, when people applauded you at the end, um, it, it, I think it really showed how valued you are by the community and everything you've done over the past 40 years. So um, it must be nice to know that you're, you're going out with um, such affection for everything you've done. Uh, what is it? Always leaving wanting more. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, before we um, sort of have a look back over um, you know, your career and, and the changes you've seen over that time, I thought it might be really useful just to have a chat about um, some of the big issues currently in the LGPS and, and your sort of thoughts on them. Um, and we're not going to talk about COVID, um, actually. If you'd said that two years ago, people would think, my God, that's going to be the biggest, biggest thing at all. Um, let's talk about levelling up instead. Um, so we had the government white paper finally came out um, beginning of February. And there's quite a big bit in there for the local government pension scheme. Um, I think they say uh, it wants pension funds, LGPS funds, to set an ambition of up to 5% of assets invested in projects which support local areas. What do you make of that? Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. So, yeah, quite a long white paper. Uh, LGPS mentioned four times. Sort of says the same thing in four slightly different ways, which is can be a little bit confusing. Um, so, it was quite useful because we managed to have a meeting with officials pretty much straight after the white paper came out. So, we were able to go, go through and say, well, this one paragraph that's repeated in slightly different ways, what does it actually mean? What, 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 what is government actually looking for? So, firstly, what's an ambition? Is it a target? No, mm. it's not a target. Um, the good thing about ambitions is, is you can miss them and it doesn't matter. Whereas the target, <laughs> a target sort of implies that you are actually aiming for a specific thing. Uh, the other thing that was pointed out, even though the the, um, the levelling up white paper uses the phrase up to 5%, it's not a ceiling. And if we want to go beyond 5%, that's absolutely fine. So it's, okay. it's sort of there or thereabouts. Um, up to 5% also doesn't mean 0.0001%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, it's okay. a sort of, uh, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're aiming for. Uh, it's not mandatory. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's not a question of government going, you have to put 5% or roughly 5%, but it will be mandatory. Just, just, just yeah. to interrupt, is it, so the, the 5% isn't mandatory, but it's mandatory to draw up a yeah, plan. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. You with will an ambition. have a plan. Yeah. So you, you, it's mandatory to have an ambition and have a plan to say how you're going to get to your ambition. But the 5% target ambition is in itself is not mandatory or will not be mandatory. Okay. And that's a very important thing because we have lots of 5% in the LGPS, uh, which, which is where government comes down. Because remember, in the aborted pooling guidance, there was a 5% that you could invest outside of the pool. When there was the... Uh, they, all of the stuff I'm pulling on infrastructure was a 5% sort of mooted there. And it seems that 5%, and I don't know if it's a government lawyer in the background going, you can probably <laughs> say 5% without appearing that you are instructing in a particular way. So mm. 5% seems to be uh, seems to be a proxy for we, we'd like you to do something, but we can't tell you to do something. I think the other thing yeah. about... Um, about the whole levelling up agenda, it's pretty much the kind of stuff that the LGPS was starting to get into anyway, except we call it mm, impact. Yeah. So yeah. if you if yeah. you replace levelling up with UK impact, it, there's a bit of me that sort of goes back to government and goes, well, we were going to do this anyway. And what tends to happen in situations like this is government comes along and goes, do this. And even though we were going to do it anyway, we... It, in, in local government, as you probably find out by now, in local government, mm. we all tend to go, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do it just because you've told me I should do it, even though I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> so yeah. there, there is yeah. a little it's bit a human where nature. it could backfire if they're not careful. And then the local areas, which you've already mentioned, I mean, and it mentions mm. local a few times in there, but we clarified that they, this actually means anywhere in the UK. So it doesn't have to be in your own backyard, although some people might want to do it in their own backyard that you could actually do it anywhere in the UK. So if you're, you know, Cornwall Pension Fund, for instance, and you wanted to invest in Tyneside, that's local. That's local. Fine. Yeah. I think I think the other thing, just to just just to, just to finish off on the levelling up, it is part of the government's levelling up agenda. So even though it's Impact UK, uh, they expect it to be part of the levelling up agenda. So there I would imagine there are various there were there would be bits of the UK if you would put more money into those bits that were probably don't need levelling up. Mm. Um, that might not be looked on as actually ticking the box. What's the reaction been from the LGPS community to this? I mean, do they think this is a really worrying intervention? Do they shrug it off and say, well, we're doing this anyway? Do they say, well, you can't force us, so you know, we'll make our own decisions right, according to the best interests of our members? Um, it will be some, 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 it, it will be a variety. Some will welcome it and say, yes, we were going to do this anyway, so it's nice to get your support. And take it as an opportunity, and I think this is really important, take it as an opportunity to go back to government and say, you could help us buy. So mm, take yeah. it as an opportunity to go back to government. We both want to do this. You want us to do it. We'd like to do it. How could you help us do it? Now, the first answer you would get on, on, on those is always, well, government could give us some guarantees. That's, you know, it's just not going to happen. But there may be yeah. things around fund structures, etc., where we could talk to the FCA, where government could do some things to help us actually get there. And one of the most important things there is there's lots of opportunities in this space, but an awful lot of those opportunities are tiny, tiny for us. You know, they're tens of millions, right, yeah. they're 20 million, possibly 100 million. Um, but 
that kind of investment to pool is not going to get out of bed for. Uh, and even for a local fund, um, if you go in for, yeah, a, it, it's 10 million, it's 20 million, you have to have quite a few of them before you get to your 5%. And you probably mm. haven't got the resources at the local level, the fund level, to actually do all the due diligence that you need to identify which are the good ones. And if you're only doing three or four, you're not diversifying that risk in that sector. So all three or four yeah. could go wrong. So yeah. I think one of the things that, that everyone is saying at the moment on this is we need to find a way of aggregating these opportunities into an investable situation, some kind of aggregated vehicle. Uh, and maybe that's for the pools to start thinking about, is that something they could do? Uh, uh, we've seen the model of GLIL in infrastructure, which is a cross-pool mm. vehicle. Could there be something like that that does the same kind of job? I think the challenge here will be uh, it's a little bit cake and eater because at the local level, I can understand why a local elected member is going to go, I actually quite like my fund money to come back into my area. Mm. The problem yeah. is... That's very expensive to do, and you might not be able to do it at the local level. If you create an aggregated vehicle, um, by definition, you have to give up the sovereignty of deciding where the money goes. So yes. there's, a, there's, yeah. there's a bit of a choice for how we do this, I think. The other thing I was curious about was, um, I mean, say that you know, LGPS doesn't go as far or as fast as government wants. Um, presumably the government can encourage, and as you say, remove barriers. But, I mean, to actually force LGPS to do this or funds to do this, they'd have to say, well, your primary purpose is no longer to pay pensions or you've got something that's, that's equally as important as paying pensions and getting the returns and that is levelling up. And, and, I mean, that would be a, a massive change, wouldn't it? That, that's not going to happen, surely? No, that's not going to happen. Um, this will all be conversations using very, very, very careful language, which we've seen in other mm. areas recently. Government using very careful language about saying, you know, maybe, maybe we should look change our focus for where we look for opportunities so it's not saying take these opportunities even though you're going to get less return from them but if you're looking at a mm. range of opportunities and they all going to give you the same kind of return please go for the ones that actually fit this yeah. criteria yeah. that makes sense um i've got to move on to, to russia and i guess i guess suddenly struck me when i thought that actually i guess now with more international volatility yeah if you're looking at infrastructure investments abroad or at home, maybe the situation geopolitically means that at home would be less risky. So that again could help funds get to that 5%. Um, but anyway, Russia, Ukraine. So um, Russia invades Ukraine overnight, it seems. Um, you know, LGPS funds pools are, are scrambling to find out their exposure to Russia. They're saying they want to get out as soon as they can. Obviously, there are issues about markets being closed. You can't sell shares, all that it as a given um my question was we, we've had um lots of press releases from pension funds and councils saying you know what russia has done is absolutely abominable it, it's an outrage it's immoral therefore we're getting out of russia um and then i'm thinking well climate change campaigners um campaigners on arms sales campaigners for weaker rights in um you know, territory controlled by china and so on you know they'll say well that's morally reprehensible things we're talking about and yet for years you know you haven't divested what's the difference and is, is there a hostage to fortune here you know 
funds that have said, for moral reasons, we're getting out of Russia, those will also be thrown back in them in a year, two years' time by all sorts of other campaigners. The, the juxtaposition, the timing of this is, uh, uh, is, uh, is very ironic because at the same time, almost at the same time as we had the, the Russia-Ukraine situation, we had Robert Jenrick's amendment going through to the Public Service Pensions and Judicial yeah. Officers Bill. Yeah, yeah. So his amendment yeah. is designed to prevent local authority pension funds from making political decisions about investment. <laughs> and basically the next week we get a letter from the Secretary of State, which is very carefully worded, very mm, carefully worded, yeah. to say, yeah. we'd really like you to disinvest from Russia for political reasons. So yeah. <laughs> to get to the crux of it, and we, we, we did a note out from the board to all the funds to say, just remember, sanctions are one thing because sanctions make it illegal for you to do something. So from from that date in March, you couldn't buy anything new. You couldn't make any new contracts. That's the law. Right? Anything you currently hold, you're still subject to the same regulations, guidance, and overriding quasi-trusteeship that you always were. Mm. And that means when you make an investment decision, it's either a financial investment decision, you're going to make some money or you're going to lose some money if you don't make that decision. Or it's a non-financial uh, investment decision made under the Law Commission's tests, those two tests, which are it's not financially significant and you're fairly confident that your members will agree with you. Yeah. If it doesn't, if it's not one of those two things, you shouldn't be making that decision for that reason. Now, we will yeah. have... At some point in this parliament, the boycotts, divestments and sanctions bill coming forward, which is the generic amendment sort of to sort of prefaces that. Mm. Uh, and that will apply to all local authority um, expenditure, procurement and investment, not just the funds. Uh, and that will try and I can't wait to see it. That will try and put into primary legislation a ban on making investment decisions because of what's in your head when you make that decision. Not the outcome, right. the reason. And that's going to be really difficult to draft. And my fear is that we will end up with something that looks like the generic amendment, which is really woolly and leaves it up to the Secretary of State to actually decide whether it meets the criteria of in line with foreign and defence policy or not. And I can see mind readers making a lot of money out of it. Usually it's lawyers make money, don't they? But it's suddenly it's the clairvoyance I mean, industry is going to be booming. When I was talking to the, the, the guys over at Treasury about this, um, I said, look, look, you've got to remember that if you if you actually draft this bill properly, and I'm just thinking about the hmm. LGPS here, not the rest of uh, local government. If you draft it properly, what you're doing is right. You're preventing, you're seeking to prevent a committee making a decision it shouldn't make, i.e. a decision purely on political grounds but I have got hmm. no idea how you're going to draft that. Absolutely. I'm sure you, and I'm sure there are some government lawyers scratching their heads at the moment. Going, <laughs> how yeah. do I make it illegal for you to think this while you make that decision? Yeah. 
and I guess it'll get I mean you know, committees will you know they'll have decided informally in the pub a week beforehand well we'll vote this way but when it comes to the committee meeting it's recorded we'll we'll find the oh, reasons gosh. to stay planning decisions going back to Russia and I think going back to Russia people need to be very careful mm. on this one because there are very very good investment decisions to drop your Russian assets if you can yeah absolutely because yeah? they're yeah. probably worth next to nothing and if you can get pennies on the pound that's probably the best thing that you can do at this point regardless of how reprehensible and it is absolutely reprehensible what is going on there at the moment it shouldn't be the the reason it's part of the reason but the reason you the reason you should be divesting yourself of those assets is because is for investment reasons because as you say very rightly say if you do it for purely political reasons the next time round it's going to be somebody else saying to you well Actually, you made a political decision on Russia. Why can't you make it on climate or deforestation yeah. or diversity of nature or w- whatever? You know, it's that's a very difficult road to actually go down if you're not careful. Here's a thought, Jeff. Um, those financial reasons for divesting from Russia because, you know, values are collapsing, there's no money to be made there. Wouldn't they equally apply to a lot of investments in Ukraine? I mean, there's been an awful lot of Ukrainian businesses. I mean, putting to a side whether there are any investments in Ukraine the LGBS has anyway, but if they did, the same reasons would say that you should dump all your Yeah, I mean, areas of conflict, regardless of of who's on the right side and who's on the wrong side, areas Mm. of conflict are not a good place to be investing. And I'll tell you, I've seen lots of press releases about divesting from Russia. I've not seen a single press release boasting that we're divesting from Ukraine. Yeah, um, because that wouldn't look that very there. good, would it? It would. But yeah, interesting stuff. Um, the other, I mean, an even bigger longer term issue for LGPS for the world, net zero, climate change, global warming and everything. Um, and actually, at, at this conference, that's been the topic that's come up most on the agenda, has been things related to net zero. Um, I did a, a, I contacted all the pension funds um, last month to ask, do you have a, have you set a target date to, to become net zero? And I mean, A, they were very, very reluctant to tell me because they know that they can get nasty camp- or difficult questions from campaigners if they say we haven't. When I forced the issue, it turns out most who responded said, we, we haven't set a date yet. And the ones that had were generally much later um, than councils as a whole. Um, what, why is that? I mean, I, I can see plenty of actually good reasons for that. Um, but I mean, how would you explain to a someone who's worried about climate change why the pension fund either hasn't set a date or is much less ambitious than the council chamber that they're you know, connected to? Um, Two reasons for that. One is uh, political. Um, as you say, politically, it's the same people making those two decisions. And they have mm. to. And this, is, this has always been an issue that councillors generally deal with incredibly well. This dual role they have of being a councillor for that council and then a quasi-trustee for the pension fund as one and the same person. Um, Mm -hmm. so they they have to get their heads around that and I think pausing and not just saying the council have set it for that let's just follow is a very good thing because you can go through the process and think about that and I think the other thing in terms of trying to explain it to somebody I would say it like this a council setting a net zero target is about affecting and influencing and creating an impact in that specific geographical area 
Mm-hmm. Yep. A council yep. setting a net zero target for his pension fund is about changing the world. It's yep. massively different because you are investment yeah, in yeah, Mongolia, yeah, Australia. Absolutely. You know, it's this is the council one is about are we putting heat pumps in our council houses? Uh, what's what's the civic centre going to be like in terms of its? It, are we going to have electric vans? And it's all about that particular area. And as you say, I'm setting it for the pension fund, and I've got investments right across the world. Most of our investments are global. Mm. I mean, we just had a long conversation about the UK, and this is one of the reasons why yeah. government goes, uh, please, can you bring some of that back into the UK? Yeah, We, yeah. we have a role to influence um, climate change at a global level and also at the local level. And therefore, it's very valid to have two different targets. So it's not a cause for concern for you that, you know, council pension funds are, are less forward about setting I think I think dates. it's it's very, I, well, I would say it's sensible to take the time to do it properly. Mm. Because the other thing is, it's not just about setting a target. And I would be, I would be very uncomfortable if everyone had just gone, 2035, 2040, 2045, yeah. whatever. Because it, the important thing is not setting a, an end target. The important thing is how are you going to mm. get there? So I would be looking for, okay, if you set 2050 or 2045, where's your interim targets? So where are you going to be by 2030? Where are you going to be by 2035? And how are you going to get there? Is it going to be by decarbonisation? Is it going to be by disinvestment? Is it going to be by engagement? Is it going to be by crossing your fingers and hoping that the government regulates in your favour and makes it go away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got to say, um, I read through, so it's is it South Yorkshire Pension Authority that, that set a date of 2030. And that was sort of the politicians you know, going against the better advice of officers, perhaps. Um, but they, they've, they've written their report and you read the action plan and it shows just the scale of the task of trying to achieve that by 2030 and how some of their sort of um, long-standing investment principles about whether to divest or not or this or that you know they might have to just really change their thinking on some of those fundamental yeah and I think I think this goes as you say goes down to fundamental beliefs and I think this will be I've said this in a couple of conferences um, in all of my career a very long career now um, mm, i could probably yeah. count on the fingers of one hand the times i've seen councillors get it wrong in terms of taking their politics into the room when they mm. consider the pension fund i think we're going to see an awful lot more of that over the next year or so on this one subject it is a very political subject um it shouldn't be but it is mm. uh, and there are some very 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 strongly held opinions both ways on this one. Yeah. Um, so I think we are going to see politics in the in the pensions committee in a way that we've not seen for a very long time. Very understandable, and it's one of those things that makes the LGPS different from other pension schemes because the decisions yeah. are made by politicians, so politics will come into it. Yeah, can't be helped. Um, the other sort of current issue I wanted to talk about, and probably fairly briefly. Um, we're expecting is it a pooling consultation or pooling regulations? Yeah, so as part summer? of the big summer consultation, which will be climate uh, climate risk and regs, um, there will be uh, also some stuff on levelling up, which we talked about. Uh, we are expecting to see the pooling guidance reissued again 
So there was the aborted... And this has been quite delayed. Yeah, there was the aborted it? pooling guidance that was put out for limited consultation back in 2019. Uh, that was then pulled, and we've been waiting ever since. Um, and very, very briefly, one of the main reasons for this is the apparently unconnected uh, Supreme Court case uh, that was brought by the Palestinian Solidarity Campaign. What's that got to do with pooling? What it's got to do with pooling is the fact that the, in that judgment... Um, it, they, the Supreme Court makes it very clear that if government wants to tell local authorities what to do, they must use legislation, not guidance. So guidance should not include the word must. Right. So there has been a lot of thinking in government about how they're going to frame the guidance if pooling is not going to be mandatory. So that's been one of the reasons why it's being delayed. Do you, have you had any, any sense, any whispers from the corridors of I power? I would be of, of extremely surprised if it was overtly mandatory. I don't think we're going to see something in the regulations that says you must put X percent of your assets through the pool. I would be, I, I would be less surprised, and probably uh, this is what I would expect: some kind of comply or explain regime. Right. Okay. That's really useful. Um, should we talk about bigger sort of blue sky stuff? Um, so we've, yeah, we talk about 2030s come up, 2050 has come up. Um, let's talk about those dates. Do you think LGPS will be net zero by 2050? Yes. Absolutely. Really? It goes yeah. back to the first, it goes back to the fact that, that we, we have politicians making decisions and politicians will drive mm. this because this will be driven by, by public opinion. And politicians both mm. both form and follow public opinion, and I think public opinion will be pushing us in that direction. Therefore, yes, I think we will get there. Will that be the biggest challenge that LGPS has over the next you know, thirty <sighs> years? Are there other bigger challenges or, or similarly think, big challenges in, in the decades to come? I think the continual challenge will be for the LGPS and other public service pension schemes and the remaining open uh, private sector DB pension schemes is to justify their existence. Uh, yeah. It's to make the case for DB. It's And I personally, I hold um, out quite hope on this. I think it will come full circle. I think the massive DC experiment, if we're not careful, is going to end up with an awful lot of people thinking they've got a good pension when they haven't. And that mm -hmm. is really going to, going to come home to roost at some point. Um, and I think we might see DB in, not necessarily in the, in the form we see it now, but DB in some form coming back into the equation. I think for me, DB was, the, the rush away from DB was always a bit too quick. It was always, yeah. and let's go straight to the other end. Let's put all the risk on the member. That is going to come home to roost at some point. That's really interesting because I, I sort of always thought that actually what we'll see instead or, or could see is you know, the, the, the Daily Mail approach, the sort of the front page stories about these, you know, gold plated public sector pensions when, you know, all these other people in the private sector are, you know, getting not very much back. And, and you know, it would be LGPS and public sector funds would be changing and, and going, you know, lowest common denominator rather than, let's say, leveling up. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, for, for me, it's, and maybe maybe I'm I'm being naive, uh, but the concept of letting an entire generation get to the point of retirement with 
tiny, tiny DC pensions. Yeah. That, that, at some point, then has to fall back on the state. So somebody ends up paying for this. And surely yeah. a society that has well-off pensioners is a good society to be in for lots of yeah. reasons. Those pensioners will be healthier. They will be feeding more money mm-hmm. back into the local economies. There, will, there are lots of plus points about having people who have got to a certain point in their life who are not having to rely on their family or the state. Do you think, um, 10 years time, how many, how many, we currently have eight pools in England and Wales. How many pools do you think we'll have in 10 years time? Eight. Really? Yeah. Um, it, it would be very easy to say like five because that's just yeah. a finger in the air. Um, I've done plenty of news stories where people have said exactly that, and they, that gets lots of clicks on our website. People love that. Yeah, so. um, I think we are we're very good at doing stuff, but we're not very good at doing stuff quickly. And once we've done it, we are we've done that now. Let's move on to something else. Mm. Let's not let's not reinvent this particular wheel because we've got shed loads of other things to do. That's not to say we won't see more cooperation between the pools because I think we will. Mm. Um, so like in leveling up, for example, we might see aggregation vehicles that, that are set up by the pools. We, we're starting to see, um, like with LPP and London Save, uh, there's some, you know, the London Fund, for example, is an example of mm. cooperation. And I think we'll see more cooperation, but whether we will see physical mergers between pools, um, what's the incentive to merge a pool? Yeah. What about number of? Funds. Am I right? Are there eighty-six? Eighty-six. We've got down to now. Yeah. 86. And it's it sort of you know it, it ticks, every couple of years seems to tick down by by one or two. I mean, how many funds do you think we'll have in ten years uh, on, time? on the current rate? Probably about seventy-five, seventy-six. Um, there yeah. will be continuing to be situations where, um, and this is all other things being equal. I think the major driver to yeah. the reducing number of funds will be local government reorganisation rather than fund reorganisation. I think uh, it will follow yeah. local government reorganisation rather than the other way around. Um, so I think yep. unitisation, merger of uh, merger of councils, that kind of thing will be the, the actual thing that drives it. Uh, and it's always, and I'm sure Joe, when she takes over from me next week, will at some point be over there in, in horse guards or wherever, and will be asked the question by the new minister that says, why are there 86 funds? Because that's the question, yes. I guess. Yeah, to, yeah. Which, yep. to, to which the answer, the correct answer is because there are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. we are where we are, aren't we? Create the LGPS in its current form. But we are yeah. where we are. Exactly. exactly. That's the answer to so many questions in life, isn't it? Um, did I have any other questions about the blue sky stuff? We're going to the really, really interesting stuff. Um, I think the other thing on no. that is, mm. yes, I think there, there, there won't be any less funds in any situation. It will follow local government reorganisation. I think the biggest question about the LGPS is, will we see the LGPS go back to being a local government pension scheme as opposed to a massively uh, multi-employer pension scheme? Yeah. Now, we had a a session this morning about valuation one of the things that makes valuation so complex is this not only the sheer number of employers but the mixture of types of employers if we just had councils in the lgps valuations would be a very much shorter um, exercise yeah. not necessarily because we'd have a lot less people i think we'd still have about 75 percent of the 
the, the, the membership would still be there, but the but the employers themselves would be very very different. So I think there's a question. Oh, that. I mean, I think there is a question yeah. around: Is it right to have eighteen thousand employers in the LGPS uh, of ma massively different types? especially where those employers have changed themselves. So I'm thinking about colleges, for example. Colleges very much used mm. to be part of the state, part of the public sector. Now they're not. Is the LGPS still the right scheme for them? Will it be a case of employers deciding to exit, I mean, perhaps because if contributions become unaffordable for them or something, or, or will it be sort of... Um, a, um... Yeah, a, a wholesale reform. I think it will be a combination yeah, let, let, of the two. There, there will be, I, I mean, we, we had the consultation a few years ago now to say, should should uh, colleges be given the option to offer the LGPS or not? For me, um, it's an interesting one because I think some would, but I think most wouldn't. And it, mm. when you get to a situation of maybe, you know, 70, 80% of colleges are not in the scheme, why have we got the other 15%? 20%, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now, Jeff, I'm going to ask you, so you're, you're let's say you're already retired. Um, you're in your rocking chair, you've got your comfy slippers <laughs> on, your, your pipes in your hand, um, and you're telling your war stories from um, four decades in the LGBS. Um Remind me, how many how many um, ministers have you worked with in this force? Is nine. it nine, ten? It's nine. Nine. Um, but one of them was twice, so I suppose it's ten. <laughs> ten. Right, spill the beans. Who was the best? Who was the worst? Oh gosh, um, when's this going? Is this going out after I leave the L the LGO? <laughs> yeah, let's say, let's say it is. Let's say it is. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that commitment. <laughs> um, I'd say uh, the, the best in terms of the person who most obviously was a really really good minister that we weren't going to keep for more than five minutes is the current chancellor without a shadow of a doubt yeah one of the cleverest men i've ever met in my life uh who, yeah, who gets it. Yeah. absolutely gets it uh we were very fortunate to have him as a minister um in terms of safe pair of hands i would say bob neal who was when we started uh when i first started there Bob Neal was the minister, I think Sir Bob now, who's now in the House of Lords, and as I said, still mm. speaks very eloquently on matters around public sector pensions and, and state pension. Uh, very, very clever man. Um, great respect for him. Uh, mm. Marcus Jones, who took us through reform. Uh, again, um, he listened, he understood, he didn't try to... He didn't try to interfere in things that he knew he didn't understand. He let people who knew what they were doing yeah. get on with it, but still kept a firm hand on where things were going. Um, mm. In terms of the rest, I, and some of them I, I feel very sorry for because it's a massively technical area. And to be thrown in yeah. as a, in some cases, fairly new MP, and then you get your first, first junior minister role, and you're given a three hundred yeah. billion pound pension scheme to look after, which is horribly yeah. complex. And you and it's only one part of a huge, a huge local government portfolio. Isn't part it? portfolio. The, the rest you've got. So it's very understandable when you're meeting a minister and he or she is uh, he in, in nearly every case um, is mm. frantically looking at the briefing in front of them when when Councillor Phillips is talking to him because you probably yeah. think he's got 
absolutely no idea what we're talking about. So there has been a few rabbit in the headlight moments, um, which is totally understandable. I totally get it. I think, and I, I, it wouldn't be a surprise to anybody that there was a particular minister who perhaps, um, and the, the the story I would say is that I was in the the, the office of the then chair of the LGA, it's America Kell, and his mm. secretary put her head around the door and said, the minister's on the line, he's had an idea. And at which point there was Uh-oh. the classic rolling of eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think, yeah, um, it's, it's always interesting to see a minister who comes in and goes, right, I'm going to change things, I'm going to make this better, and let's go from, I think we were... 89 funds at that time to six funds. Let's have six funds. Right. Um, and I think in lots of ways, he was right to do it because, as I said, every minister asked, asked that question, why are there 89, 86 mm. funds? And he was the only one who said, well, okay, you've given me the answer because there are. Why can't we have six then? And I yeah. think it's useful for the LGPS to be challenged in, in that way, mm. even if... Perhaps the person who was challenging us didn't put it in quite the right way, and there was the famous PLSA conference with the the sharpest intake of breath I have ever heard from three hundred people all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, on this, um, I mean, do you think that the, the the quality or knowledge of ministers overseeing that portfolio affects, for ill or for good, um, the LGPS, and you know the was it five, six million members of it? Or, I mean, a, a minister's actually not that important in the in the wider, longer-run operation of the scheme and paying pensions to the people who pay. They're massively it. important if we're moving in a different direction because they have to make that decision. Mm. It has to be their call because they are yeah. the democratically elected representatives of the country. They have to make that call. So if it's a significant movement, change of direction, absolutely it's them um for the rest of it for the detail just going back to it they have enormous portfolios we shouldn't be expecting them to dive down into the detail it's just too much to ask that's what the officials are for that's what the officials should be doing it's actually more maybe the question is um have we got the right knowledge amongst the officials who are then trying to advise those ministers yeah no good point um 40-year career, um, what's, what's been the biggest change in that time? I mean, for LGPS? I mean, what, what, for LGPS, yeah. I think, I, you know, I've referred to it on a couple of times, it's a change I'm most happy about, even though it's taken forever, hmm. is we're finally getting to the point where in the LGPS to get a survivor's pension, it doesn't matter who you are, what your relationship was, how it's defined by society. If there is a financially dependent relationship, that person should be the person who gets your survivor's pension. We've finally got to that point. I think there are still some things that we need to do around pensions gap within the LGPS. Care makes it better hmm. rather than final salary because final it's salary... The ca- career average. Is, um, yeah, the, yeah. The, the career average, because you're looking at each year's pay and each year's pay does not have a retrospective effect. Yeah. Um, Career average is much better for those people who pop in and out of and are not necessarily getting um, lots of promotions over the over that period of time. Final salary, as good as it was, tended to reward men because men got the promotions. Yeah, yeah, a bit of good news there. Um, 
anything you look back on and you think, God, that was a massive waste of time. Or, you know, that was so complex and time consuming. And what was the what was the point of it? McLeod. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Um, uh, McLeod is the biggest thing that should never have happened. Hmm. It's going to cost billions of pounds. It's going to waste an inordinate amount of time. It's going to raise expectations that will then be dashed. And it's going to, it's already taken two years. It's probably going to take us another three years to sort out. Mm. And then we'll continue on until the last person who's gone that has got uh, service in that remedy period. And the massively frustrating thing was Hutton said, don't do it. Officials at the time said, don't do it. Mm. But it was done anyway. Yeah, that point about governance at central government um, and, and the effect of... And the the really interesting bit, it will be, not just the fact that we're going to have to do all of this, but then government comes along and says, oh, and by the way, we're going to include it in the cost management mechanism, which effectively means members are going to pay for it. Because they penalise members. Yeah. Legally, they are correct, because that's the way the cost control mechanism is set up. But morally, I'd be interested to see which way the judge goes in that judicial review. Because morally, hmm, I think it's questionable. I think this one, this one won't be resolved by next Thursday, will it, Jeff? No, it won't. <laughs> um, and I find it funny just to, to bring it to a close. What are you going to miss about LGPS? What are you going to look back on and sort of say, you know, that was great. I loved that. Or I'm going to miss that. Or you know, what's your, what are your, sort uh, of your, your memories? Yeah. Your... The LGPS is a, it's a family um, and it's certainly when I speak to other people in different parts of local government, um, and not just in local government, in every organization there is part of the LGPS. Mm. The LGPS part of that organization is closer to the LGPS part in other organizations than it is necessarily to the other parts of its own organization. Yeah. 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 That, that really strange combination of councillors, officers, consultants, asset managers, actuaries, lawyers, all come together and you would think, how how on earth are these people going to get on because they're all so different? Mm. But we do. And I think, as I I said last night, we create a really, really good thing for millions of people who deserve a good retirement. And together... We, I think we do a pretty good job, and I think that's the thing I'm gonna I'm gonna miss the people. Yeah, yeah, always the Which way, is one it? of the reasons I'm not en- entirely retiring. I will still keep my hand in, if only to see a few people. Uh, um, I, I think, as I said yesterday, as was pointed out to me, if I left the LGPS entirely, I wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you want to know how the, the McLeod saga ends. Okay, yeah, you want to see the final keep, episode, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I never thought I'd end this podcast on McLeod, but um, there we go. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, as I said, there was such warmth in the room um, yesterday. I, I know you're going to be missed, and it's good that your expertise will stay within the the, uh, the community, the family. Um, yeah. But I will be I will be more than adequately replaced. Yes. Joe will do a fantastic job. And as I've said, she ha- she will inherit an amazing team, an absolutely amazing team and um i very much have uh, basked in their reflected glory <laughs> over the last 10 years fantastic jeff houston thank you very much indeed thank you
This podcast was brought to you by Local Government Chronicle, following the annual LGC Investment Seminar at Carden Park, Cheshire in March 2022. To find out more about the next events in our investment portfolio, including the annual LGC Investment and Pension Summit, which this year returns to Leeds in September, visit lgcplus.com forward slash investment. Remember to subscribe to this series and share this podcast with your colleagues, and we'll see you next time following the LGC Pension Insights Symposium, which will be held in July in Stratford-upon-Avon.